Hello and welcome to episode three of Oxblogger TV. We're taking you back to 1986 and a, another glorious moment in Oxford United's history. What a moment. But not that glorious moment in Oxford United's history. We are uh, joined with uh, by Dan, as always, and a third member of the Oxblogger TV team, Rich. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> you We're Saint-Treebsy. Who are you, Rich? <laughs> um, oh, goodness me. I'll just be in St John's laugh. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're heading back to 1986. and We're going to try something slightly different, uh, which is a watch along. So uh, we have a full coverage of the 1986 Guinness Soccer Six final, which uh, Oxford entered in December of that year. It was featured on Sports Night and we made our way through the final, but we'll we'll take you through the, the games and uh, a little bit of background as, as we're going along. I, I mean, I find the whole thing about Soccer 6 weird, right? Because as we'll see, we're, we're entering these ridiculously strong teams in the competition with, I'm guessing, not a huge amount of prize money. But we did it the year before as well, our first year in the top division in a five-a-side tournament. And if you look at the team there, I mean, that is like pretty much the full-strength team, apart from a Steve Foster lookalike in goal, who I don't know who that is. So I so uh, I, I think that's um, uh, it's actually an Oxford City goalkeeper. Uh, Lawrence Reed on Twitter pointed me to this one. His name may be Denton. I, I do love instead of medals, they each got a tankard like um, <laughs> like they've just been on bullseye and presumably got bus fare home as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, we won the, the we won the five aside the year before. Um, huge amount of glory and prestige, and obviously, what that would be that would have been our fourth, third season in a row of of glory, cup glory. Then we went into the Guinness Soccer Six. This is uh, after this was post Milk Cup, I guess. So we were now heading for our fifth successive trophy. Should we hear what Steve Ryder had to say about it? Here's Steve queuing up the the action and the rules for you. Two mini-leagues tonight, just like last night's elimination competition. In the first group, Sheffield Wednesday, Spurs, the Soccer Six holders, and Arsenal, the winners last night. In the second group, Manchester United, virtually a home fixture for them, Oxford United and Chelsea. Well, Soccer Six is played on a plastic pitch half the size of a normal football pitch. It's divided into three zones. Goals can only be scored from the last zone, and one man at least must always be in the opponent's half. And there's no height restriction. The ball is kept in play by plexiglass, seven feet high on two sides and nine feet behind the goals. Well, the first match we see is from the second group. That's Group D. It's Manchester United versus Oxford. And the commentator is Tony Gower. Five and a half thousand people in the venue and very few among them not cheering. Not only big teams, but big teams putting out fairly strong 11s as well, right? I mean, how many of that team would have been in the team that we'd beaten literally just a few weeks before? I thought it was, it was going to be a bit of a myth that, that we fielded a strong side. But if you look at the games before and after, Hardwick, McDonald, Brock, uh, Aldridge all played. So, so we're, we're playing with a lot of talent, a lot of first choice talent. And Aldridge is only about a month away from going to Liverpool. So mm. in today's terms, that's... 20 million 30 million pounds worth of talent 
that we're just sticking out on a five-a-side game. <laughs> just imagine that he tripped over and landed on that so-called plastic pitch that they talked about and done his knee in. You know, that's, you know, yes, we, we went on to win whatever it was, £10,000, but just seems totally and utterly insane. Yeah, uh, if, you, if you do that equation, I think it is £10,000 £10, for the winner. I think it's £25,000 full prize pot or something. And Aldridge went for £750,000. And they probably spent yeah. that in beer money after the event, <laughs> in Guinness money, playing that thing. <laughs> do you remember watching this then? Do you remember watching this sports night, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Because uh, the, the Daily Express game at um, uh, tournament had kind of caught me by surprise. I don't think it, I don't think there's any coverage of it. And then this became, this was quite a big deal, I think. And it was getting a bigger deal because of uh, English clubs being banned from Europe featured on sports night and I was allowed to stay up and watch it. I remember watching this live as well. So I would have been 14 at the time. Um, so I probably sneaked the, the, the small TV into my bedroom to watch this and kept the volume on low so my folks didn't know I was, <laughs> I was watching it. Brock sliced it. Aldridge! Oxford opened the scoring and that's a blow for Manchester United. The man who's got... 18 goals for Oxford in senior football this season. The shot by Brock was poor, but it came nicely back off the boards. And Aldridge doesn't miss opportunities like that. Oxford won, Manchester United nil. Hell of a shot by Kevin Brock there. Or was that a genius pass off the wall? I can't quite tell. I can't remember the original venue, but the original sponsors were Atari. And I think this was the first year at the GMAX in Manchester, is that right? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So the GMX used to be a train station, Central Manchester train station. It was repurposed only that year. It was only opened that year um, after years of renovation. This would have been events held at the GMX as, as it became known. I think the very first was a festival celebrating 10 years of, um, done by Factory Records featuring bands like New Order and the Smiths. But yeah, so the GMX as a venue like this was really, really early days. Does it still exist? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, it's called Manchester Central now. Yeah, last year it was one of the Nightingale hospitals. Oh, okay. Pandemic, yeah. Yeah. United have punished straight away. It's 2 1 to Oxford. Richard, you're carving yourself a little niche here as our resident expert on stuff. This is brilliant. You've actually <laughs> done your research. I did do a little bit, I have to say. For those listening to the pod, we, Oxford are currently 2-1 up into the last few seconds. Uh, our goals came from uh, Aldridge and Leeworthy, uh, and there's a hugely disappointed local crowd. It obviously turned up to see Alex <laughs> Ferguson leading Manchester United to glory. So that, that was one of the things that I realised when I look back on it. Um, I thought there was a great, there were banks and banks of the Yellow Army behind one of the goals, and then it sort of made me realise that it probably was Man City fans that are clearly taking great joy at seeing Oxford um, <laughs> being, being, you know, knocking out the giants of Manchester United, although they were far from giants at the time. They were a pretty mid-ranking team. Oxblog, you probably, the same as me, saw Man United about three years, four, two years, three years previously, yeah. second replay of the League Cup. So, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't uncommon. <laughs> but but if you but but when you see the coverage, you can see that there is definitely this big Manchester United bias. And in fact, you don't see the second Hexford game in the Sports Night coverage because they have to focus on Manchester United, even though Manchester United are pretty much out of it as a result of this defeat. 
um, but they still have to play both games. They don't actually play the Oxford game at all, despite us progressing, plot spoiler, into the final. Um, and Tony Gubber says, yes, when Manchester United have scored as well. <laughs> Finally, they've got the goal. Brilliant. Hooray. Everything's okay again. <laughs> um, unconscious bias even back then. Even back then. So um, careful, careful what you say about the BBC. Um, so this appears to be the second day. It's not immediately clear. And if you try and research it, there's virtually nothing out there about this. This is one of the great lost tournaments. In fact, I found one uh, forum post for a, of a chap named Boris, who I believe is our resident Oxford United historian, Martin Pratetsky, uh, just saying, uh, does anybody know the results from the 1986 Soccer Six tournament? <laughs> and no, absolutely nobody's answered. And I think he posted that back in wow. 2007 or something. But this appears to be the second day. This, there, there was some sort of preliminary the day before, which Arsenal qualified through. We didn't seem to play. So we were seeded. Presumably because we won the Milk Cup, I guess. Uh, it's the only reason I can think we would have been seeded ahead of Arsenal. <laughs> Or, Ma or Maxwell's filthy money had paid for it. <laughs> I, yeah, I am aware, um, and this will come up later, but it did, there is talk of Arsenal getting through um, a playoff. So we, we've obviously come into it pretty fresh. I don't know if Manchester United would have got through because there would have been, apart from them being the local team, there would have been no reason to put them through because they weren't, they weren't like us, you know, holders of great silverware. <laughs> <laughs> well, who won the FA Cup? in 86 uh liverpool liverpool yeah right which is probably the last fa cup winner i can remember oh no coventry 87 obviously and then that was the last fa cup final this is what happened in the other group um let's pick let's pick up the commentary and see what they say Arsenal going through from group c keeping up their excellent form of last night and now they meet oxford to decide the soccer six champions well tony gabba had a word with a couple of the leading players who are sure to be figuring in the final john aldridge obviously delighted that oxford are through to the final but are you enjoying this yeah it's great it's experience and it's uh, all the lads have thoroughly enjoyed it yeah in fact, you've only got one goal from the two games so far. That's not a good, that's not a good strike rate for you. No, hopefully I might be able to get one or two in the final. That'd be nice. How do you find the game? It's not as easy as it looks, actually. It's, um, it's a bit difficult, but the way... You've got to be very workmanlike in it, like, and uh, put as much effort in as possible and get behind the ball as, on, on many occasions as possible. Now, you've been watching Arsenal, the opponents in the final. They're not quite a good side. Well, to be fair, they've got to be favourites because last night they played superb and tonight they played some great stuff, yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no tips. No, no. At the moment, the club's on a high. I mean, we're top of the first division, top of the combination. Oh, that's future Oxford United manager and the inventor of Oxford United Tick-Attacker, Graham Ricks. For them it's great experience, and they do all the running and I just sit at the back. I think we have to mention the aesthetic here because uh, I remember when, I, see I wasn't a great fan of that kit. I thought, I thought we kind of blew it that, with that kit. It was too washed out for me and I didn't like the switch to the, to the um, uh, to the navy blue but I do remember getting the uh, like uh, I think it was shoot and they used to put all the kits in the back and we were there because we 
because it was made by Umbro, so we had a national or an international manufacturer. And I remember the the, the, the kit, the track suits, and, and the second kit all there, and it looked absolutely brilliant. So uh, the, the the aesthetic, of, I, lo I mean, I love the fact that they're wearing track suits to the final because it is like, like because they're making it seem like a cup final. I, I really like the kit, I must say. I, I thought the uh, navy blue just, I much prefer the navy blue to the royal blue. And, you know, for, I guess for a generation who've grown up only knowing the navy blue, it's a bit more Oxford as well, right? I think it's like Doctor Who, you know, your favourite is the first one you see. So, so, so I kind of always remember them in, in uh, um, the royal blue. Uh, and so that switch, although I'm used to it now, but, uh, but with the sponsor on the back of, of that, um, that switch to the colour, I didn't particularly like. But the, the Wang sponsor on the back of the tracksuits and the, the Umbro, oh, absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so I grew up in London, so I've got no kind of, you know, I've no memory of ever going to like the Oxford shop before I went to uh, my first Oxford United game. So I remember my excitement at going to Lily White's, the sports shop in central London, and seeing the Oxford United kit. And it would have been this season because it had Milk Cup winners written on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so to see like an Oxford United kit in a London store is just you know unheard of and unimaginable. But there it was in Lily White's, the, this prestigious sports shop. So yeah, a great kit for me and lots. It of just it just felt like we'd grown up. I think having Umbro as well was was a big deal. And Wang. <laughs> and Wang. Um, so what were Wang? They were computers, weren't they? But they're an American computer firm. Yeah. Uh, that. I don't think there was any money exchanged uh, as part of the sponsorship. It was a contra deal or that, you know, it was a freebie so that Maxwell got got their computer system uh, installed at the mirror and, um, in, you know, for free. So there was no cash in it for us. Oh, I've never heard yeah, that that sounds, um, that sounds very Maxwell, doesn't it? Yeah. So of course, of course the, um, the other thing that, uh, we're wearing Wang, and of course, this uh, is sponsored by Guinness, who sponsored QPR at the Milk Cup final. And a very vivid memory of mine is a huge banner in our end at Wembley that said, I'd rather have a Wang than a Guinness Ender. <laughs> <laughs> and as a 13 year old, that's probably the rudest thing I'd ever seen. One <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was noticing earlier the whole, the whole of the advertising. It's pretty much booze and fags. Did you notice that? It's whiskey, um, it's gin, it's um, Guinness, of course, and Panama cigars. I was going to say it's like the old that old Viz gag, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, Billy the Fish, where all the advertising was smoke fags, drink pints. <laughs> it pretty much is that. And also the Umbro advert says Sid chose Umbro. Well, that's a reference to the British gas privatisation, the Telsig campaign. Another one for the kids here, obviously. Um, before, when uh, when um, our glorious leader of the time, Mrs Thatcher, sold off all of the, uh, the family jewellery, the British gas campaign for privatisation was all about Telsig, and it was just this national phenomenon, wasn't it? So, yeah, so Umbro picked up on that clearly for their, their adverts. Just... Jumping in, 
John Truick is absolutely majestic in this game. <laughs> I think it's his great. I think it's his best game in an Oxford shirt. He's unbelievable. I would, I would, I would recommend watching it just to watch John Truick. Because I always thought saw Truick as being a bit of a kind of also ran in in the squad. You know, I mean, he didn't. It was never subject to a big, uh, you know, a big money move. But he's brilliant. I mean, he pulls the strings. Yeah. I think he was absolutely stupid to have a moustache, right? Because <laughs> the moustache just aged him ridiculously. He always looked really old, right? I saw him at the final game at the Manor, the, um, you know, the kind of the old Oxford team against the old QPR team. And he looked 20 years younger, despite the fact he was probably 20 years older, right? He was <laughs> 10 years, how many years? 14, 15 years old. The moustache aged him horrifically. I mean, moustaches aren't a good look at the best of times. I'm quite anti-moustache generally. In well, life. yeah, it's funny you say that because I've, I've just been to a music festival this weekend, which is, attracts quite a lot of hipsters. And there were as many mullets and moustaches on display there as there is in this match, I would say if not more and completely yeah completely unironic as well did you did you constantly spend your whole time thinking that you were being attacked by john truitt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah had nightmares just yeah thousands of john truitts are coming towards me here he is again here he is again look at that oxford pillow right he's yeah <laughs> spraying passes slightly erratically around but um <laughs> He was just got Jan Mulbiest kind of stayed in the centre just, just dictating the game, didn't he? Jan Mulby, not done sure. <laughs> um, one of the things to say about the Arsenal team, because again, going back to that whole thing of did, did they play the, you know, the first team, I think it was a slightly weakened team, but they had Paul Merson and the guy who sports. Paul Davis is in the team. Uh, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. That's the one. Yeah, and I think they were two or you know maybe a couple of years off first team. I did look into Paul Merson and he'd made his debut the month before. Okay. Arsenal. He'd have been 18 at the time. Um, yeah, you're right. Michael Thomas is playing and he's playing as the defender in, in this, and he started off as a defender. Apparently, it's the the signing of Lee Dixon that moved him into midfield, and therefore pushed him forward. You know, and then eventually to score that famous goal at, um, at Anfield. Yeah. I guess the other player we need to mention from this game as well is Tommy Caton. Um, because he wasn't far off. I mean, I think two months later, February 87, he we bought him for a, quite a good amount of money, then 160,000. And um, he became our club captain. Um, we sold him to Charlton in November 88. He got injured in January 91, never played again, retired in March 93, aged 30, and died of a heart attack the month after that, which is not a good story, I know, but he was he was brilliant for us for that season that he played. I Presumably, he was brought in to replace, was he brought in to replace Malcolm Shotton? I mean, obviously, he's captain, but it must have been around the time Shotton was leaving, or Briggs was leaving. Yeah. Dreyer, but he was inside the goalkeeper's zone. 
John Dreyer was in the shaded area. It's a penalty to Arsenal. He protests, but it's no good. Joe Worrell has given the penalty. And the responsibility falling here on 19-year-old Michael Thomas. And he took it. We're never coming back from that, surely. Right? One nil down against the Colossuses of Arsenal. <laughs> well, lovely seeing you guys. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good penalty, to be fair. That's kind of Moody-esque in its violence. <laughs> I guess that's just the way to take it in the, with the, those sides' goals. It's just to absolutely put your laces through it. You're not going to place one, come on. This, yeah, that, that wasn't my edit. We seem to have swapped ends here, don't we? Have we is there is, uh, uh, yeah, uh, there is a, a second um, half eventually. There yeah. The other thing to, to that I spotted on this is, and it's again, it's worth a rerun just to work your way through the trainers. So, <laughs> so some of them have got trainers which look like football boots. Others have got Dunlop green flash. The <laughs> Arsenal keeper looks like he's wearing Adidas gazelles. And the ref has got, he must have gone to like Acme referees <laughs> shop because there's no way those trainers are on sale generally. They have to be a specialist shop. <laughs> ah, oh, that's my that's my childhood hero. But look at Ray Graydon. Yeah, that is that is a look. <laughs> Who was that? I missed that. Was it Kevin Brock? It was Brock. Was yeah. So when I yeah when I first started going to the Manor, um, people remember the ground. When there was a wall between the Ozil Road and the London Road, where the first kids to get there were able to sit on the wall with their legs hanging over and. Of course, Kevin Brock taking corners. Um, the number of times I would have patted him on the back, uh, I'd have lost count. Yeah, yeah. So he was, yeah. Him and Bobby McDonald, bizarrely, were my were my childhood heroes. Rich, I remember us uh, going going to those uh, going to that corner at the Manor, and uh, and going down as a couple of soft lads like we like we are. Uh, we get down, we go down to the corner, and then we get shooed away by some some of the harder kids. It was a it was a real rite of passage because we we would stand with our dads at the Ocean Road, and we wanted to we, and getting into the corner was that was the gateway to adulthood and the gateway to the London Road. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we I, I remember a few times uh, kind of getting uh getting chased away. Wow. So I must have erased that from my memory. Um. But yeah. <laughs> you were, yeah. You were. Yeah. You're a bit of a tough guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's uh. Us to Menzians, yeah. <laughs> um. Now it's Lee Worthy. Lee Worthy. Now, I mean, you all remember the excitement when we signed him. So we signed him from Tottenham's reserves, and he, where he was an absolute goal monster. And then he kind of exploded into the team, didn't he? Did he score in his couple of he goals? Scored, yeah, he scored in a. It was a cup game, I think. It might even have been against Spurs. Um, and he scored early on, and yeah, I thought he was. And this this is what surprised me about this is seeing Lee, Lee Worthy and uh, Aldridge together because I assumed that Lee, Lee Worthy was the replacement. Um, but there must have been an overlap, or they knew that Aldridge was going. But yeah, he didn't he didn't really do anything after that. He loitered around for a while, didn't he? There, I I found footage of a game against Chelsea two years after this, where he scored. It must have been his first goal for us for you know, two two seasons. I'd totally forgotten he'd, he'd been there at the time. 
so he really did linger like a, a bad fart and then kind of ended up playing non-league did he go straight to non-league afterwards or I, I, I don't know where he headed but th but this is one of the weird things about seeing this so people like Steve Hardwick and Bobby McDonald I always associated with the pre-first division days I thought they were ousted almost as soon as they we moved into the first division but this is um what 15 16 months later after promotion so they were still at the club and in fact Hardwick both Hardwick and McDonald played in the games before and after and I I'd, I would never associate them with this um with this side maybe they've been kept on for their specialist skills at small-sided football <laughs> <laughs> the lucrative world of five and six aside football Caesar had to concede and Arsenal are not home and dry yet by any means it's Truick who's going to take this corner kick for Oxford and it was Aldridge who got a touch a typical John Aldridge goal John Truick just played the corner in short and John Aldridge got the touch which makes it Arsenal 1, Oxford 1 a nice little finish there from our man. We call it a near post corner because that's precisely what it was. <laughs> and it was a classic Goldridge finish, that is for sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah, easy, like all his finishes. Who's that? Who's the guy? Who's the number five? Brock. Brock. Oh, is it? It's yeah. Rich's mate from Rich has tapped his bottom many times <laughs> as a young man. Allegedly. <laughs> Getting into Graham Rich's territory there. Well, I was just about, I was, I was literally, I, only because it popped into my head, I was just about to say, Graham Rich is the elder statesman here with, with surrounded by kids. I, I'm not sure that's going to make the edit. <laughs> Now, who's this young man? Oxford thinking about bringing on their number six, Paul so, God, look at that. What was going on there? <laughs> That's, um, so, so who's just gone, come on is Paul Swanock, who's, I, I don't know anything about Paul Swanock, and I was trying to find him, because normally you can find these players, you know, they've found new careers or whatever. Um, and and he, there is no, there are, there's literally nobody called Paul Swanock in the whole world now uh, or anything resembling it so i think he came from wickham that's the only thing i can gather ah, from now you see i am convinced by this i think that is a bbc spelling mistake and i've actually had an interaction with paul swanock on facebook because i'm friends with peter rhodes brown on facebook and they were chatting about something on peter rhodes brown's feed and uh I just saw the name Paul Swanock and I immediately thought of the Guinness Soccer Six. So I just messaged, I said, Guinness Soccer Six. I got a message from Paul Swanock saying, bloody hell, no one's mentioned that to me for years. So he does exist. He isn't just a, he's not a mirage. Paul Swanock exists. And if you search Swanock with an A-C-K at the end, there's somebody who looks very much like him because I Googled him as well. So it's Swanack, right. Yeah. Because I don't think he ever played for us in a, apart from in indoor football. Of a specialist. 
Was he, did they come up as something like a head of marketing at Goal or something like that? His, his, his job, if I remember rightly. I, 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 I did with him as well. There he is. Seconds to go. So that's a, an inspired substitution because this guy who doesn't even exist has <laughs> come on and uh, rippled the onion bag through sheer uh, force of personality. The incredible thing is, is that what we're watching there is the, the highlight and the pinnacle of his professional career. So a little shot of Ken Fish then. Omnipresent Ken Fish. Did he get to go and get the yeah. medal? Do you think at the end as well? No, Ray Grayton in that suit. He's uh, he's going to take all the glory. I would have thought. He was named Player of the Tournament. Oxford United. There we go. Champions. Champions indeed. And there concludes the what fifth successive trophy we're saying. For Oxford you United, just unheralded glory is. <laughs> I think the next trophy we took was the 2013 Oxfordshire Senior Cup. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the meantime? We weren't even the best team in Oxfordshire for the next. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, I was going to say that the the um, the whole Arsenal comeback thing. So uh, people were remembering. 84, we came from behind to beat Arsenal 3 2. That was a Milk Cup game, I think, Oxblogger. Oh, it's gone in! Yeah, it was, uh, David Langan scored the winner's sort of 35 yard screamer that Pat Jennings kind of fumbled into his own net. Due, due to a broken oh. finger to, be def to, to defend Pat Jennings. He apparently had a broken finger and that's why he dropped it. Oh, uh, okay. Take nothing okay. away well, from Dave Langan, obviously. Whatever reason, yeah. But I remember that game. I think I stood in the London Road, and um, Charlie Nicholas was playing, wasn't he? And being very arrogant when he had scored or when Arsenal had scored, and uh, yeah, it was great to have to have come back from that. It's funny playing those teams now. Yeah, you know, playing Arsenal. I went to see Oxford play Arsenal at Highbury in eighty-five, eight in that first season in the first division, and I went up to Anfield as well. We lost six 0 but there was just this, just this weird feeling, you know, this the fact that we were playing them as equals. Um, although obviously against Liverpool, it was evident that we weren't equals. Generally due to <laughs> Kenny Dalglish, who was just phenomenal that day. Um, but to just be on the same sort of stage as these teams is was even even if it's indoor football, um, was pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, huge, um, huge mass imposter syndrome. Um, the three seasons, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, I guess for me, I mean, because, as I said, this was my first season, you know, I, I didn't kind of feel that at all. You know, it just so happened, my I lied earlier on when I said my first game was my new game. My first game was actually Arsenal away, which was a few weeks before. It was a nil-nil draw. And for me, that was my local game because I, I was living in North London. And I remember my dad, I said to my dad, can we go and watch the game, please? My dad absolutely hates football and said, um, where well, you can go 
Um, I was like, okay. And he walked me as far as the tube station at Finsbury Park and then said, right, it's down there, off you go. Um, and I went down and I paid something like two pounds on the door to get in. And it was, a, it stood on the clock end and it was a nil-nil draw. And I think it was Jeremy Charles's last game for us. He either got injured or sent off and it was kind of like the final straw either way. Um, so that was my very first game. My next game, as I said, was a few weeks later. I was visiting my grandparents uh, who lived in Oxford. And again, I, I looked at the kind of fixture list and lo and behold, Oxford were playing Manchester United and just rocked up and turned up on the day and you know bought a ticket and stood there, which just seems unimaginable now. Paid my two or three pounds to get in. And kind of, I think I stood on the, was one on the side, the Osler Road, I guess it would have been, the one on the, not the main stand side. Yeah, opposite would be the Osler Road, yeah. Yeah. Um, so stood there on the on the halfway and couldn't really see very much because I couldn't get anywhere near, you know, the front of the uh, the front of the the stand. Um, so for me, just like you know, growing up watching us what play Manchester United and Arsenal was just it didn't feel any different. It's just where we were <laughs> as a club. You see, it's funny you you say that because see, I had two parallel worlds from watching football because I was living in. Um, uh, living in uh, Welling Garden City in Hertfordshire. So Arsenal was pretty much our local team. And we would go, my dad would take us to me to Highbury. And so I've got a real kind of uh, soft spot for Arsenal and for Highbury. And then, and then because uh, my grandparents lived in Abingdon, we would go and see Oxford games and that's where he grew up. So he was a bit of an Oxford fan. And, um, and so we would go to see Oxford games around Christmas because that's when we visited the grandparents. And then we'd go and see Arsenal games for a treat. And then in 1986, the two things kind of came together. <laughs> and, and that was just, it just blew my mind. But the years before that, I mean, those League Cup games as well, kind of just blew my mind. You know, it, I, I don't think well, I fully yeah. comprehended what, what we were achieving. We, we'd, we'd, we'd obviously also had another very important game against Arsenal in 1986. So the final game of the 85-86 season our first season in the first division, we had to be asked them to stay up, didn't we, at the Manor? And yes. Yeah, we, we hammered them 3-0. Um, uh, Houghton scored after, what, two, three minutes? Then I think uh, Oldridge penalty and then Billy Hamilton scored a third. So, yeah, that that had been strange because we have won the Milk Cup and then potentially have gone down, so... Yeah, last game of the season, that was horrible. But I do remember <laughs> that being being quite complacent about that result. You know, play, playing Arsenal to stay up is no, it's no mean feat, is it? No, uh, no, and, goodness. Uh, it's, it's just what we did. We On the other uh, podcast, vodcast that I did, which we no longer talk about, the, the official Oxford one, we have Peter Rhodes-Brown on talking about that season and talking about that game. And for some really bizarre reason, that last game against Arsenal was three or four days after everyone else played. So it's not, you know, in those days, you didn't have the thing where on the last day of the season, all the games kick off at the same time. For some totally bizarre reason, probably the, the, the Milk Cup success had kind of, you know, clogged up our fixture list. We were allowed to play our last game that season two or three days after everyone else. So Arsenal, of course, you know, their players were well and truly on the beach by that point. So they turned up with nothing to play for at all, whereas we had to win to stay up. So it seems incredibly unfair, but... <laughs> it must have been a, a big deal because if you, um, if you go onto YouTube, you can find 
um, some highlights. It was on the on the Saturday night introduced by Maurice Stewart. Football and Oxford United have won their fight for first division survival. They beat Arsenal 3-0 in their last league game of the season. The victory condemned Ipswich Town to relegation, along with Birmingham City and West Bromwich Albion. Like you say, it's just a different world then, isn't it? Because you're, you're on national TV, you're getting Steve Ryder introducing you, um, Jim Rosenthal, Morris Stewart. And, uh, yeah, a few years later, it was uh, Tim Russell. <laughs> is he is he still going, Tim Russell? Or is he... I mean... For those yeah. who live in the region, does he still do little match wraps on? No, he doesn't. Was sadly, fan wasn't he? So yeah. No, he's uh, he's. I think he's. Um, I did. I have looked him up before, um, and uh, I, I, he's a, he's a media consultant. I don't. I don't. I don't think that means. He, I think it means he's not working. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he, he doesn't do his uh, his little match wraps. What a good idea they are. Um, so this was the this wasn't the last Guinness Soccer Six, although they should have can, they should have finished it after our, our success, so we could have kept the trophy forever. What what happened to the Guinness Soccer Six, Rich? I'm I'm looking at you as our resident expert. Uh, I didn't look too far into the future. I think the last one was 1990, if I remember rightly, and I think I think there was a year off as well in between this one and the last couple. But yeah, I mean the the. There's some basic information on on Wikipedia, but as Oxblogger was saying earlier, find, finding more detailed information online is, is yeah quite quite tough. I think one of the, I think that final tournament, from what I can gather, had got completely bloated. We we were relegated by this point, so we weren't involved. But all 21 first yeah top flight teams were involved, plus Manchester City, presumably because it was. I'm guessing it was at the GMEX again, so mm. they were the local local team. Them or Stockport, but um, and so yeah, so 22 teams took part, and it went on for four nights or something like that. So it was a it was a mega, it was a big deal. I think it was I think it was sort of an attempt by the football authorities to create a, a, like a sort of the equivalent of 2020 cricket or the hundred or something like that. It was an attempt to sort of make football sexy um so they could and and they can muck around with it in a way they couldn't with the the, the 11 aside game so they could have the music and the you know the djs playing and um there was presumably cheerleaders involved somewhere along the lines <laughs> i've got a slight confession about the following year as well I, I do know it took place the following year i was furious we didn't qualify automatically as as champions i remember been a real sense of injustice about it we had to do the qualifying uh event the, the next year and we crashed out with the, the following year for those who don't know the, the story of the following year we will talk about it one time we were in we were a dreadful team we went 25 26 games without a win um and the six aside team even the six aside team were hopeless as well and they turned up for the qualifying event and got thrashed by everybody and i found out the results by calling club Call. And my dad, who was worried about the really large phone bills that we were accruing at the time, because I kept calling Club Call, picked up the phone and <laughs> discovered me listening to Oxford United Club Call, Club Call at 38p a minute and shouted down the line, put the bloody phone down! 
<laughs> I had to hang up and never quite found out the full results, but we definitely didn't qualify for the next day. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, Dad. Sorry, Dad. The thing is, well, the thing is that the, kind of the history of this tournament is like you'd think that it was it would be everywhere, but it's not. It's it's this, it's it's in bits. Oh, well. What should we watch next time? Or give us some games. Send some. Send your ideas for games to watch to, to Fox Blogger on Twitter, and we'll. So I'm a bit. I, I'm, I've got to say, I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment, and um, I, I quite like watching the epic defeats. So during lockdown, there was quite a few clubs <laughs> ran uh, live streamed kind of famous wins. Um, so I, I'm going to give an option of two. There is uh, Oxford United. Uh, sorry, Luton Town 7, Oxford United 4 from about 1987, something like that. 88, and, yeah. Is it 88? And, uh, and the other one is uh, um, Oxford United 2, Leighton Orient 3, uh, no. when we got relegated to the conference. You could have Exeter as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you're going to make us watch that. Um, I've never, I've never watched, I've never watched the seven four defeat in its entirety, um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen an eleven eleven goal game, but there'll be plenty of action. Should we call it a day, lads? See you soon, Thanks, everyone. See ya. Cheers. Bye bye.